0: And tonight, she's the civilian equivalent of an admiral or general. Our four star, KT McFarlane. She pushes for America First, Hilton Beckham. A Travis Taylor sketch from Penn Holderness on the way. And newly signed recording artist, Olivia Lane, in the spotlight. And now, from Times Square, where tourists often think that the cute little Halloween ghosts are decorated for the season, we just haven't had the guts to tell them that it's actually our grocery bags. Here's that heaven! Glad to welcome you into a new edition of That Kevin Show. Welcome to the weekend. It is uh, very important for me personally to want to begin this show on a very specific note. Uh, Yeah, we've had a lot of fun putting the show together. We're going to have some fun tonight. There are going to be some laughs. But in my first chance to, on this broadcast, address you regarding the terror attacks that happened in Gaza... Hamas and the terrorists that uh, carried them out, Uh, I have been dismayed at what I have seen on my television and in my country for the last nine days. Uh, it It is almost unfathomable for me to personally process how you can have things like a senator want to issue a formal condemnation of anti-Semitic protests on college campuses across the country and to have a Democrat Senator from Maryland stand up and in almost Nazi-esque style, prevent that condemnation from being ushered. One of the great lessons of history is that if you fail to learn its lessons, you will be condemned to repeat its mistakes. I feel like that the United States is on the verge of committing some massive repeats of mistakes that we never wanted to see again and we should know better those of us that lived through the 9 11 attacks know that the forces that attacked israel a week and a half ago two weeks ago now uh were those of the same ideology that flew planes into the world trade center they may come from different branches of extremism within the islamic uh, belief system but they are extremists And they wanted to kill the people that they disagreed with from a theological perspective. They feel like they're performing some sort of ultra-big statement about how important it is for uh, Islam to be seen as superior. But that's not what our system is. In fact, in the light of the aftermath of the Israeli attacks and the realization that in terms of just pure mathematical comparison, uh, 1,400 Uh, now nearly 2,000 dead Israelis, uh, hostages still being held, Uh, Hamas feeling no regret, and in fact uh, becoming more emboldened, Hezbollah, Lebanon, Yemen, all trying to uh, join into the fracas, along with the forces from the Iranians, Uh, you begin to understand that uh, what they have experienced is about 35 times bigger to the existence of Israel than 9-11 was to the United States. It's not to compare the suffering. The suffering is equal. But when you have Hamas skinning pregnant women's bellies so that the uh, people can see the baby through the membrane, when you see the actual suffering that they inflicted on children before they killed them, when you see them taunting the people that they've taken the children away from by putting videos online and saying that they have your children, Friends, this is not a normal um, group of people that we're dealing with. And I'm not sure that the Constitution can even uphold uh, someone who is a devout believer in Islamic Jihad and say that they can truly be an American citizen. Um, Our protection of religious liberty that's found in the First Amendment was written by founders who understood the God of the Bible, the God of Jews, the God of Christians, the God of nature, the God of creation. We don't understand, nor do we adhere to the God that says we will uh, punish everyone who disagrees with us. We don't hold to the fact that if your religion says that you get to kill me in the process, that your religion is okay. In fact, I'm here to say very clearly tonight that it is not. And I want to say this to my Jewish friends. As a Bible believing Christian, Who believes very much in the old and the new testament i have nothing but profound respect and appreciation for those of you who observe the god of the old testament those of you that began the story that those of us who believe the new testament completes are still part of that story and so for my jewish friends many of whom comment on my show on a weekly basis on various things from cultural trends to parenting to technology I want to say that tonight, as an evangelical, I stand firmly with you and will do so uh, indefinitely into the future. What has happened to you, your people, your family, your children, it's heinous. It's wrong. And There is no equivocation about both sides on this. Israel has the right to exist and it has the right to defend itself. And I'm glad to see that I was not the only one who believed that. My mayor in New York is not someone that I often agree with, but he gave a most profound speech in support of Israel in the aftermath of the attacks, and I wanted you to hear it. So this is Eric Adams.
2: This morning on my briefing, my special counsel, Lisa Zomberg said something that I want us all to acknowledge. We've been through some tough tough time, New Yorkers. We are tough people. We saw the center of our trade collapse. We saw some of the horrific actions that played out on the stage of our city and our country. But she said something that hits me to my soul. She stated to our team, we are not all right. We are not all right when we see young girls pull from their home and dragged through the streets. We are not all right when we see grandmothers being pulled away from their homes and children shot in front of their families. We are not all right when right here in the city of New York you have those who celebrate at the same time when the devastation is taking place in our city. We are not all right when Hamas believes that they are fighting on behalf of something in their destructive, despicable action that carried out. We are not all right when we still have hostages who have not come home to their family. We are not all right. And we're not going to say we have a stiff upper lip and act like everything is fine. Everything is not fine. Israel has a right to defend himself. And that's that we know. Your fight is our fight. Your fight is our fight. Right here in New York we have the largest Jewish population outside of Israel. This is the place that our voices must raise and cascade throughout the entire country. We will not be alright until every person responds. This act is held accountable. We don't have to pretend. And I want to thank my religious leaders throughout this city of all religious group who reached out to us and clearly stated that they denounced the hatred and the anti-Semitism that was displayed on one of the holiest days of the year. This was intentional. This was bitter. This was nasty. This was something that shows Hamas must be disbanded and destroyed immediately. So I say to you, I'm not here because I'm your mayor. I've been in Israel as a state senator. I protected the community of this city in general, but specifically the Jewish community as a police officer. I stood with you as borough president. And now I'm here today to say, not only am I the chief executive of this city, but I'm your brother. I'm your brother. Your fight is my fight not only displays the pain of anti-Semitism, it displays the pain of racism among African-Americans. You marched with us with Dr. King. You stood with us with all the fights we had. And I'm saying we're going to stand with you and stay united together. And we don't have to be all right. We should be angry at what we saw. Thank you, Israel. I knew it.
1: Uh, come on, Kev. What's a few classified documents between friends? I told
2: you. I told you all the time. I knew it. I knew he had some, too. Here he is. That Kevin. Kevin McCullough.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is no stranger to neither Kevin McCullough Radio nor that Kevin show. She's already been with us uh, multiple times. Very grateful to have her insight, especially in these very important days that we live in. She was the civilian equivalent of a four star general or admiral when she served multiple presidents at the Pentagon and in roles with national security. Please put your hands together and welcome back KT McFarland. <laughs> Hello, KT.
3: It's always great to be with you, and I love the introduction. I mean, next, you're going to say I'm going to be beatified by the Pope. It's so good.
0: Well, speaking of the Pope, um, there have been some international leaders that I feel like have taken some rather disappointing uh, stands on uh, the uh, issue within Israel over the last uh, week or so, and I'm just curious... um, it, it's been a little while since the war was declared by Mr. Netanyahu. Uh, we are watching the kind of strategic chess pieces be moved back and forth. What is your assessment of where we are?
3: Well, Israel's about to go in on the ground in Gaza, and it's going to go for unconditional surrender. It's not going to do what it's always done in the past, which is to go in, take out some missile depots, kill a couple of the terrorist leaders and then come back out and let Hamas regrow again. It's called like the growing the grass, cutting the grass strategy. This time they're going to go, you know, dig up the grass. They're going to go destroy Hamas leadership, civilian and military, and their military depots. And that's the only choice they have at this point. That has
0: to be done because they had 6,000 missiles fired at them, KT. And I don't think a bunch of goat herders from the outback Um, can produce 6,000 missiles on their own, and they hide them in places like schools and hospitals. I mean, they are very sinister in terms of their their planning in advance.
3: Okay, so this is what worries me about what's going to happen next. Iran is behind this, despite the administration saying, oh, no, we're not completely sure. The administration is just trying to run cover for his failed Iran policy, his failed Middle East policy. But here's what happens next. You know, the, the world has been outraged by the slaughter of the innocents, in a biblical sense, the slaughter of the innocents in Israel. But now the flip, the script is going to flip. And this is what Iran wants. Iran wanted Israel to go in in an in a overall, fundamental way. Iran doesn't care about Hamas. It doesn't care about Palestinian civilians. Iran wants to isolate Israel. And it figures that if Israel goes in and it's going to be long and bloody and there will be civilian casualties, that Iran can point to the world and say, look at Israel. They're far more uh, bloodthirsty than the Palestinians and that the U.N. will take it up. Europe will take it up. My worry is that the Democrat Party takes it up and it becomes an anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, but anti-Israel approach, and then within about two weeks' time, are they going to pressure President Biden, who has been very strong in his support of Israel to date? If the Biden administration figures they're going to lose the far left of the Democrat Party, they're going to lose world public opinion, then Israel might feel abandoned. I mean, if the Biden administration then starts slow walking intelligence sharing, slow walking uh, backfilling of the Israeli munitions that are going to be used and, and depleted as it does the Gaza operation. Is Israel going to be abandoned? I mean, are we going to go back to where we were um, 20 years ago? And then what happens is I think then the then the wars escalate. Because if Israel feels abandoned, if Israel looks like it doesn't have the support of the United States, full, full-hearted support of the United States, doesn't have the support of the UN, doesn't have support of Europe, definitely isn't going to have the support of Russia or China, Middle East countries, the Middle East Arab countries – that Israel's been made peace, been making peace with in the Abraham of course. If everybody starts backing away, then I do think Hezbollah opens a second front from the north. And I do worry that Israel says, okay, we're on our own. We've seen the slaughter of the innocents. We know what Iran is capable of doing through its proxy forces. And then maybe Israel decides, you know, we better take out the Iranian nuclear sites now. It's our last chance because we know. From what we've seen, Iran will not hesitate to use nuclear weapons against Israel.
0: There's a a whole bunch to unpack in what you just said, and it's one of the reasons why I'm grateful to have you here. um, So I was speaking with uh, Alan Dershowitz um, last week, and he said, I said, what's the number one thing that Netanyahu wants uh, from the U.S.? Anything in addition to munitions to defend themselves and intelligence uh, of what's going on on the ground? And he said yes. He said, uh, "We need uh, the American bunker busters, yeah, and we need them tomorrow, in case we do need to go take out the Iranian nuclear sites." What What do you think the the odds are that whether Hezbollah opens a another front or not? And we've kind of seen like a little bit of teasing with that, haven't we? I mean, Syria yeah. fired some missiles in. We've seen a little bit of back and forth. Um, But Iran's the real problem here, as you identified. Will we see those nuclear sites taken out?
3: We could. And Iran has in the past shown um, that it's been very good at at burying them deep underground. That's why when you talk about the bunker buster bombs, those would be bombs or missiles that can go in deep underground and take out the actual physical facility. But Israel's been very good about targeting Iranian nuclear scientists, about targeting probably Iranian um, computer systems. Israel has also shown in the past, whether it's been Syria or in Libya, that it has been willing to go take out those nuclear sites, those nuclear enrichment um, facilities. And then not taking credit for it, just be quiet about it. But Israel has shown in the past it has the resolve to do it. And I think if there's any sentiment now that's going on in Israel of maybe we should just wait, you know, maybe Iran is going to be— making a peace agreement with the United States. Maybe Iran doesn't mean it. Maybe we've got this all under control. I think that's all changed. And that the Israelis are pretty united. And not only do we have to root out Hamas, root and branch, but we also need to stop Hezbollah from raining missiles down, targeting t- missiles that can target urban areas in Israel. But also, let's just face it, the, the, the big source of all of this is Iran, and Iran's wealth thanks to the Biden administration energy policies.
0: Well, not only that, unfreezing funds and giving them six billion dollars back. I mean, this is this is kind of insane when we're talking about it. But it's even
3: more it's even more than the six billion. It's like the 50-60 billion, because the Biden administration, you know, the Trump administration, we slapped on really serious sanctions on Iran and we enforced them. And the Biden administration has stopped enforcing them. So Iran is selling oil. Iran is selling oil to China to a lot of different places. And as a result of that, Iran's oil revenues are sky high. So Iran is sitting on windfall profits, not only the $6 billion that Biden gave him, but other profits from their oil sales. They've got the money to pay the terrorist groups. I mean, it, 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 this is something that's just so, smug, makes me so mad. At the end of the Trump administration, because oil prices were at about $40 a barrel, Iran was broke. Iran had, st- had started.
0: So was Russia. It was, Russia was A lot of people were broke.
3: A lot of the bad guys were all broke. The bad guys couldn't start wars. It had gotten to the point where Iran was cutting back on its support of Hezbollah and Hamas. They were complaining, where's Iran? Where's our money? You always have been giving us money and munitions. You're not giving it to us anymore. We had Iran on the ropes. Iran could not have launched these attacks through its proxy forces if President Trump had remained in office.
0: Uh, it's a very sad reality. We are speaking with Katie McFarland, who's going to stay with us for just a bit longer Because there are other layers to this conversation that need to be had. But we're very grateful to have her here. It's uh, That Kevin Show. Kevin McCullough coming back from Times Square. Don't go away.
1: Ready or not,
2: you will be right back.
0: And we're back. Glad to have you with us. Coming up in the New Music Spotlight tonight, Olivia Lane, country star, uh, with a brand new uh, song from her, speaking of biblical things, titled The Woman at the Well. We'll get uh, to that in a little bit. Katie McFarland continues with this national security expert. And really, when it comes to global strategic uh, initiatives, she, she just has a sense of what's going on in a way that very few do. And we're very grateful to have her back with us. KT, the idea that this stays in just the purview of Hamas and Israel is pretty much not going to happen, as we've been discussing. There's much bigger players uh, at work here. What does this do to U.S. foreign policy, particularly as it impacts the Ukraine situation, particularly as it impacts what I've deemed the uh, present-day axis of evil, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea? What should be done by way of messaging from not only the administration that's in power now, but people that are running for office in 2024, from your perspective?
3: Everybody needs to start talking about this. You know, politicians don't like to talk about foreign policy. They like to talk about economic policy, you know, your checkbook. And, you know, those are what win, win and lose elections. But the reason this is so important is America, the world is looking, America and Israel, we've had a strong bond and alliance from the very beginning. And if the United States backs away from Israel, backs off, slow walks, then I think the world says, wait a minute, who is America anymore? You won't even support your strongest ally in their biggest moment of need. That's why it's so important for every political leader and everybody who's listening to your show who has influence, even with their local elected officials, talk to them about staying the course with Israel. Don't lose heart, don't lose faith, don't lose confidence. Israel will take care of this. And Israel's never asked us to come in on the ground. Israel always said, give us the means, give us the weapons, the intelligence. We will take care of our own security by ourselves, for ourselves. But that's why it's so important that the United States continues to stand strong. Otherwise, you know, what is America? I mean, we can't even stand with our strongest ally, long-term ally in the region. And the other thing that they should be talking about, which they are talking about, at least the Republicans, Energy. Talk about unleash American energy, if not just to be energy independent, which is great for our economy, but energy dominant. We can be the energy source for the whole world. And we can do it. we
0: were saying in the last segment, it bankrupts the bad guys.
3: And it's good for us. Good for our economy. Totally bankrupts the bad guys. The bad guys are frozen in place. They might want to make war with everybody, but they can't afford to do it. Wars are expensive. So that's the better way. That's the Reagan way. You know, don't go to war. Don't go to World War III to win the Cold War. Bankrupt the big guys. Bankrupt the Soviet Union. Win on the economic playing field. That's where our strength is, and that's what we should continue to do. And I hope the candidates talk about it.
0: Um, The Abraham Accords, you mentioned them in the last segment. Uh, Saudi Arabia was getting close to Mm -hmm. a peace agreement with Israel. This is a continuation of kind of that Abraham Accord thinking that uh, came about in the Trump era. Um, they have since slow walked a little bit. Um, I don't think they're completely out, no. but they are not as enthusiastically pursuing it as they were. Um, do the other uh, Islamic countries that oppose Iran, that Iran hates just as much as they hate Israel, do they stand with Israel at this time?
3: I think it's all on hold. You know, that's, This is the reason why Iran unleashed Hamas and potentially Hezbollah against Israel. Because Iran knew that that the Israelis and the Saudis were about to have a peace agreement that would change forever the map of the Middle East. That Israel and Arabs would have peace, not just peace in the sense of not fighting, but economic cooperation an economic trade zone. And that would keep Iran out of the picture. Iran would be finished. And then Iran had to look at this and say, well, you know, if the next president comes in and and stops Biden's war on American fossil fuels— and drives the price of oil down, not only are we out in the cold in the sense of an Arab-Israeli peace that doesn't include us, but we're also out in the cold in the sense of economically. We can't feed our people. So that's why Iran moved very qu- Iran moved very quickly to try to sabotage this. Now, are these peace deals done, dead? Eh, I don't think forever, because economics will drive it. The, one of the um, predicates that we came in in the Trump administration is we understood that American fracking could keep oil and natural gas at very low prices, and the Arabs, the young leaders of Saudi Arabia and the other countries, they realized, whoa, we can't count on high oil prices to pay for our societies. We need to diversify our economies, and the only way we can do that is peace with Israel. That was the motivating factor of the Abraham Accords, and that will still prevail as long as we start producing American energy again.
0: Which, again, goes back to the campaign trail. The candidates need to be making this point. Katie, you have made it extremely uh, clear over the last year with my audience, and I'm grateful for your time to do that. But its I feel like it's not gotten through to the upper echelon of the candidates yet. Maybe it will. Maybe maybe the times have uh, demanded it now. Katie McFarland, always appreciate your time and your input.
3: Thank you. It's always an honor and a pleasure for me, Kevin. We have an amazing Full-throated, high-level conversation, and I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) You got it. All right, we've got a big show yet to come here on That Kevin Show. Don't go away. Ready or not, we'll be right back.
2: That Kevin. Now, back to That Kevin Show with Kevin McCullough.
0: We are at a very crucial point in our entire year-long campaign to liberate as many slaves from South uh, from North Sudan as possible, and I, I, I want to reiterate the good news. The good news is is that we have crossed the 154 slave uh, freed mark uh, on our on our way to 192 uh, by the end of the year, which means we've got about 38 to go. But friends, this is where sometimes I get a little bit nervous, because I don't want us to sit on our laurels and say, oh, well, look at what a good job we've done. No, there are still uh, women and children that are in extreme danger. And because of that, I want to take a little more time right here to just remind you that it's very simple and very easy to liberate a slave. Now, you you may be of the mindset that says, I don't even know that slavery exists. Like, how do we even know this? Well, uh, they're, they're actually, the, the news is not good on that front. There are more slaves in human captivity right now than at any point in human history. And they are in various countries and they, they are held for various reasons. Um, you have human trafficking. You have sexual exploitation of minors. You have uh, indentured servitude, where you have uh, young people that are working off family lineages uh, debts uh, in, in excruciatingly inhumane ways. And then you have the slaves that kind of are a little bit of all of those things that are, that that are called chattel slavery, which is what the slaves in northern Sudan are. They were the spoils of war from the Sudan civil war that extended over 15 years and over the last number of years my friends at christian solidarity international and you and me and all of us working together have liberated uh, a, a good number of them at the peak of the of the sudan civil war there were 185000 slaves that were in captivity uh and that were and most of those were taken uh as spoils of war they were taken by arab muslims in the north of sudan it was one country at the time they uh they did the very same thing that hamas did in israel last week they took them as hostages they took them back to their areas they did cruel things to them Uh, They uh, mutilated their genitals, they forced them into uh, sexual activity that they did not uh, want, they forced them to convert their religious identity to a Muslim identity from a Christian identity in many, many respects uh the cruelty was was the same as that of what hamas did uh just a, a week or so ago the difference is is that the world showed its disgust with what's gone on in israel and the world has largely forgotten about the slaves of South Sudan. Uh, And so for that reason, a number of years ago, we started using this platform to do as much good as we could. And we said, hey, uh, if you work with us, we're going to liberate as many as we can. And the good news is is that over the last number of years, we have liberated upwards of 4,000 human beings through the efforts of yourself, myself, my family, your family, coming together with Christian solidarity and seeing nearly 4,000 slaves be uh, receive their freedom and relocated back to South Sudan where their families are at, where they are from, the regions that they uh, came from, we have helped them get uh, relocated. The process is very simple. It's $250 one-time gift to liberate a slave for good. What does that include? Well, there's a negotiation that has to go on, but there is no cash exchanged for the life of the slave. There is a cattle vaccine that will help keep the slave owner's uh, cattle healthy during the harsh weather season, uh, and they will gladly trade a human being for a dose of the vaccine. So we get that exchange done. And then the two hundred and fifty dollars really goes into providing what's called the bag of hope which if you think about it, it's just a a kit, if you will, that is designed to be the essential critical essential needs for that slave to regain their life in South Sudan what what all's in it well, A year's worth of food, a year's worth of seed to plant the next year's worth of food, a baby goat to help uh, bring cheer into the life, but also to bring a sense of uh, milk and uh, cheese and and food products, but also a a form of microenterprise, being able to breed uh, baby goats and make a little money from that. It helps the slave. And then there's the relocation. $250 does it all. Friends, I'm asking you, will you help us this week? Uh, make a dent in the 38 remaining slaves. We need your help. Here's the phone number 888-342-1010 Now let's hear a story of somebody that we helped last year
1: I was a child when I was abducted by the Arabs My parents used to own livestock and my mother would do all the cooking for us I don't remember the year that I was captured There had never been any problems in our village Then one day, all of a sudden we heard that there were Arabs attacking Dinka villages throughout the south. We were so worried we could not even sleep at night. It was a big concern to my mother and my father. We were told that these Arabs were heavily armed and would kill all the animals and people when they would attack. We were very scared. Then one morning, they attacked our village. We scattered in different directions and I ran, but I was captured. My entire village was burned down, and I've never seen a member of my family since. Then I was taken north into slavery. My eyes saw horrific things on that trip to the north. Women were raped right in front of us. Men were beaten, and four men were killed because they tried to fight back. They were shot dead before our eyes. Once at the slave master's house, I was pretty much starved and worked brutal hours every single day doing difficult and very, very hard work. There was no relief. And then they raped me. My slave master did not think of me as a human. He would not even let me go to the hospital when I fell sick. And one day I heard that there was a slave retriever from CSI close by. How I wanted to be free that retriever secured my freedom and thank god i was able to return to south sudan thank you to each of you who helped the slaves be free but please don't stop until we get them all
0: it's a reasonable request the phone number is triple eight three four two ten ten eight 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 three four two ten ten your gift right now of only two hundred and fifty dollars will liberate Another Girl, Like a Hoke, the one you just heard the story from. The names may sound different to our Western ears, but their hearts, their desires, their lives are no different than your own daughters. Friends, if you believe that slavery is evil, and if you believe that we should be here to make a difference, then please do. Pick up the phone, 888-342-1010, 342 1010 You can also give online by just going to Bring Her Home, Dot O-R-G. That's bringherhome.org or 888-342-1010. That's 888-342-1010. Ready or not, you'll be right back. That Kevin. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that cabin show. Ladies and gentlemen, she just landed a huge representation deal this week. Newcomer, Olivia Lane.
4: I heard a story from
0: the Bible.
4: When I was just a little girl. right
0: She's back in hour two with another song from the New Music Spotlight. Search hashtag New Music Spotlight on Spotify or Apple Music.